But when you're in a marketplace where you've got hundreds of thousands of organizations moving millions and millions of bits of data around with multiple people working in multiple different areas, you're going to need interoperability. You need systems to be able to talk to themselves. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Dan McCarthy. He's the CEO of Dodge Data and Analytics, North America's leading provider of commercial construction project data, market forecasting, analytics services, and workflow integration solutions for the construction industry. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you, Todd. Really pleased to be here. Yeah, glad you are. Uh, so let's start with how you, you got into the construction industry. What, what brought you over here? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, so it, it, goes back a, it goes back a long way. I, in the early 2000s, I was involved in a, in a business where we had a, a collection of local commercial real estate directors. It was called Black Sky, and it was it. It currently eventually ended up being part of CoStar's business. And then, with from Black Sky, we made some acquisition of um, uh, digital and print properties that helped drive demand for housing and for construction. And with that, we had um, a, a, a part a, a, a directory, digital directory of fine apartments called Apartment Finder, and. We had a, a book called the Real Estate uh, Book, which was homes for sale, and then we had a, a new home uh, directory called the New Home Guides. And I just got it, through the course of that, got really involved in and fell in love with the entire process of um, figuring out where to build things, building things, and how to put people in the things that get built. Yeah. There was a period of time I was off uh, running some other businesses and I was, somebody reached out and said, hey, there's a opportunity at Dodge. Dodge is the leading provider of data and analytics for the commercial construction industry. And this is a business that combined all of my passions. It's a business that has uh, moved from a uh, legacy uh, way of delivering their data into a true digital delivery paradigm. Uh, it's a business that it helps people figure out how to grow. You're selling growth. You're selling insights and information that are helping people refine their revenue strategies. Um, and it's a business that's helping to activate the construction of the country. It's just a, everything you can imagine from infrastructure to warehouses to data centers to uh, multifamily properties to um, uh, to uh, to commercial buildings. And the types of businesses that we're in business with are, um, you know, these are, these are really amazing enterprises from building product manufacturers to architects and engineers to general contractors to subcontractors. The unique thing about this uh, marketplace is the amount of cooperation and collaboration that has mm -hmm. to happen instantaneously and successfully. And to be able to be part of that, to help people find each other, to help people to understand where they're best, where it's best for them to put their effort and energy, that's just a really exciting proposition to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Well, based on all the data that you've seen, where is the 
construction industry and adopting and then embracing technology with this digital transformation that's been been going on? Um, I you see every uh, you see every side of it in the course of the conversations and interviews you have, um, and there's a um, there's that bleeding edge and there's the lagging edge. And mm -hmm. when when I when when I go into an industry. One of the things that you that you, I, I'm really intrigued by is what's the distance between the bleeding edge and the lagging edge? How far apart are they? Where it's like that mm. that mean of adoption. And when you look at construction, technology has been um, incorporated into um, myriad different processes to help make them more efficient and to reduce the reliance on being in one place at one time. What's that mean? Well, so people use cell phones, people are using smartphones, people are moving documents around wirelessly, people are using tablets and laptops. And that's the kind of technology adoption that creates um, both efficiencies and creates process challenges. And then you've got the development of solutions and the development of software specifically for this industry that's trying to organize the information and the data for the industry to make it more efficient, to reduce risk. And, in, um, and I think we're just at the beginning of what's really going to make an impact here. What you need, when what you're looking for in technology, technology adoption in a fast moving industry like, industry like this is interoperability. You need to have systems that talk to each other that are organizing information in a way that the information could be moved from place to place seamlessly. And in the early stages of technology adoption, you're going to, you see uh, land grabs. So I, we wanna be the, we wanna be the operating system, the platform for everyone. Uh, and you know, in the era of Google and Facebook where you get this powerful network effect, that people feel, people believe that you can win that race. But when you're in a marketplace where you've got hundreds of thousands of organizations moving millions and millions of bits of data around with multiple people working in multiple different areas, you're gonna need interoperability. You need systems to be able to talk to themselves, to, to, each, to themselves and to each other. And that's something mm. that the construction industry, I think is just beginning to understand. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think it's a, it's a real challenge that the, the industry needs to start uh, addressing. And I think, you know, that you see some people really speaking to that um, and with, and, you know, the, the buzzword of common data environment and everything, everybody wants to be that mm -hmm. kind of single source of truth. Um, but what are some maybe hurdles that we can look to, to smooth out to really get to the goal of interoperability? I don't approach I don't approach this as a technologist. I approach it um, as a business strategist and somebody who's trying to solve problems for customers. Yeah. And I think about you know in I'll date myself a little bit here, but the most powerful um, interoperability moment that uh, that I witnessed in my um, I witnessed as a as a young man was when Microsoft decided that they were gonna make Excel work on Apple, on the Apple environment and the IBM environment, and that you were gonna be able to open a non-Excel spreadsheet and save that spreadsheet as a non-Excel spreadsheet. Mm. 
so what you do, so what, what, why, why did they do that? Well, because the, um, they wanted to be able to reduce the friction and reduce the barriers to moving that information around. That information, the utility of information should not depend on the environment that the information lives on. The utility of information should depend on how the user wants to deploy it in multiple environments. So what you don't, you know, in, in most industry, in many industries, you've got a common standard. You've got a, you've got a way of moving data from place to place so it can easily be ingested and, um, and uh, exported. Mm-hmm. You've seen attempts to do that in um, construction in the planning phase. You see attempts to do that with, um, you see attempts to do that with uh, things like BIM. Uh, you see it with trying to create standard uh, st- uh, uh, design standards for even just for building plans and PDFs. But there, you there needs to be a there needs to be a sense on the part that the people who are dr- building software have to believe that they're going to be more successful by making it easy to move information around from platform to platform. And currently, there isn't enough pressure from users to demand that. Users are mm-hmm. users. Users are in an environment where they have to. They they become wedded to one uh, uh, to one to one uh, platform or the other. And so, they, I think it's an open question in the market: Will that become? Will there be enough user pressure that there needs to be interoperability? Um, are you going, or are you going to? ultimately go through a period of time where there's a, a there, there's a common core platform and most of the and the secondary technology players try to feed into that core platform a, a good example would be um, Salesforce you know so Salesforce one of the ways that Salesforce managed to um, make it easier to rely on Salesforce as your 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 customer management operating system, is they created a programming environment. They've allowed people to build apps for people to generate um, task-specific solutions. You don't mm-hmm. see that robustly in the software industry yet. And um, and it, it, the question will be whether we see that or we see interoperable, interoperable platforms that are sharing data seamlessly. Create a common data environment for your team with 360 Sync. 360 Sync automatically transfers, organizes, and archives project files across applications. It is the only way to automatically sync project files between your server, Procore, BIM 360, Bluebeam, or any other platform you use. 360 Sync is the only document management system designed by and for the AEC industry. Users have automatically transferred over 1 million files and over 2 million syncs. Set it and forget it. Create a common data environment for your team today using 360 Sync. Visit asti.com slash 360 Sync for more information. Yeah, so I'm curious, do you think it's kind of a chicken and egg dilemma here of will the user demand kind of be the one to drive this engine or do we need first the user adoption of these technology workflows and kind of embrace that mindset and that will then create the demand to spring up 
for the interoperability? So I'll give you my answer. I'm interested in your answer. Um, I think that I think that it's I think that what will what may drive this is a lack of adoption. So if this is if the if the isolated if the need to if the isolation of a platform is mm-hmm. creating friction that reduces adoption, then somebody's going to go, oh, maybe if I make this easier to move data in and out from, then I'm going to um, then I'm going to be able to get uh, get 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 more adoption. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. Uh, so uh, it, I think it's such a a different mindset shift that the industry has to to go through in not only you know, like with the interoperability and like connecting data and how do we really use and, and leverage and play with data? What do we need to collect? Why are we collecting it? Uh, I think it's, there's, there's a lot of soul searching <laughs> that the industry has to, to go through on it. Uh, you know, I think right now we're in this phase of let's collect all this data, which is, is great, but nobody really, few people know exactly what they're going to do with that data. And so now that we're just collecting and like feeding this monster of data for the sake of data, yeah, but without I, a, a clear plan of what you're going to do and leverage it and the purpose behind it, you're not really getting the, the benefit of collecting all that data. Yeah, no, and then somebody sits there and goes, wait a second, why my data warehouse cost just triple? And right. uh, I see my cost line going up. And I don't see any other cost lines going up, going down. So make, you know, make this work this out for me. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, um, so where, where does data, where does data create common points of value? So you've got, you've got the data associated with um, the kind of data that we live in, the people, the firms, the projects and the products. And um, your ability to be able to be, have confidence that you're looking at accurate information that's timely, that allows you to quickly connect with or move a project through the pre-construction life cycle. That's all fairly, uh, that's, that's, that's relatively static data where it's dynamic quality relates to how the project is moving through the pre-construction life cycle. Then you get to the kind of data that is, how do I track things that cause me risk? Scheduling, scheduling management, project management, um, cost overruns, uh, work orders. How do I keep track of that? How do I anticipate it? How do I diminish it? Then you get to the data that is, 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 uh, it becomes really uh, seductive, which is, oh, this is all about things moving through time and space. This is all about the relationship between different objects. This is about how do I how do I track the data of a how do I track the data of a work site so that I can anticipate environmental issues? How do I track the data of people moving around the work site so I can increase efficiency or um, keep track of keep track of products so I don't have waste or leakage? Um, and then how do I take that? And then the 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 beauty of data is that you're able to capture it and save it and combine it with other data sets and analyze it. And that's where you end up with, well, then how do I turn this into knowledge? How does this data turn into real knowledge 
that helps me make decisions about how I want to behave differently in the future. Mm -hmm. And in the world that Dodge lives, and the part of the in part of the value chain that Dodge lives, there um, the data, while it's massive, is manageable because if we're we're talking about what what do we know about a building when it uh, comes into planning? What do we know about each thing that gets decided about that project while it goes through design and then it goes into bidding and, and products are being spec'd? And then what do we know about who makes the decisions in each one of those areas? And then what we're, we're able to do with those data elements increasingly is see what the patterns are. We can tell you, well, if you, um, if you're a building product manufacturer and you want to get your products back, here are the architects who are using your competing product. Or if you're GC and you want to get more visibility into uh, into new projects so that you can drive your, you can build, you can grow your company. Well, here are architects that work with owners that you've already worked with, and you should reach out to those architects because you you're gonna have a, a you're, you've got a a good reputation in that environment. The, the deployment of data and technology is more manageable when the data points are moving slowly. And the faster the data points start moving, the more overwhelming it is. And I think that's, what's, what, that's what happens once you hit the construction site. There's so much data. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point. There, there's so many moving parts to it too, that it's, if, I think if you don't have it, that your plan well thought out at the beginning of it, you're good luck. You know, you're you're going to be just swimming <laughs> in this ocean of, of data's onslaught coming at you. So here's a here's a here's what it means, right? So we're like, how how does that how can that data benefit you? What are the what are the small inefficiencies in the job? And some of it is um, some of it's some of it's uh, uh, some of it's the financial efficiency, some of it's the safety, the quality of life. You know, this is, I had a perfect example of just how bad information will uh, create challenges on the job site this morning. I, where, where I live, there's a, a two big luxury apartment buildings going up next door and I've got uh, two dogs and I wake up at 5.30 in the morning to walk them and, and we're right on the water and so, I'm out 5.30 this morning and I'm walking them and there's nobody out there. And I come up and there's a car park and it's idling and you know the job, there's, there's subs coming the, all times a day and there's deliveries happening. It's like, it, this is a yeah. big project. And there's a guy sitting in the car and, um, and, 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 and the window's down like, and he's got a, a work vest on. I'm like, so what? What 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 are you doing here? It's five thirty. It was yeah. I you know I had to get up um, at uh, three thirty this morning to be here at five so that I could take delivery of a shipment of uh, you know take a delivery of a, a shipment of plumbing stuff and nobody told me the guy had rescheduled and my <laughs> shift doesn't start until eight. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I would I'm not like, be very happy with that. <laughs> are you getting paid? You know, like, are they paying you right now? And he goes, yeah, I, yeah, I'm getting time and a half, but I want to be at home. So, you know, yeah. it's like, th that's the littlest data bit that is an example of just how inefficiency plagues um, this environment. 
Right. Well, and think of all the the money that is being added up with all those inefficiencies. That oh, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> you could I, uh, tighten up those data points. The, the, the money, the risk, he got up at three in the morning and then he wasn't active for all these hours. How tired is he going to be later? The frustration, yeah. um, you know, it's just like, it, these are incredibly complex um, endeavors. Hey, innovators. Over the last year hosting this podcast, recording over 65 episodes with the greatest minds throughout the construction industry, I started to notice common themes in each episode. We've had waves of disruption and a digital transformation impacting every aspect of construction and the leadership skills required to successfully navigate these waters. The simple fact is there are those who allow themselves to be carried along by the waves of changes taking place. And there are others who want to take an active part in changing things for the better. In my opinion, during times of disruption, good leadership is all the more important. People will follow a compelling vision and are looking for leaders to pave the way no matter where they are in the industry. So I decided to compile my thoughts into an ebook for my listeners. You can download my new ebook titled Leading Through Disruption and Digital Transformation for free at bridgingthegappod.com slash ebook. Once you do, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm curious, what are some of the the trend lines that, that you're seeing or, you know, some of the, the most requested data points that people are, are coming to you guys with, what are they trying to look for and find? So this is what's interesting about, um, one of the things that's interesting about the, the way that the um, data consumption, it has evolved in the pre-construction phase is that it was traditionally, let me know about the project. I wanna know about the project. Mm -hmm. And it was project first and then everything second. And increasingly, as you, and you think about the, the, the um, people that we're, uh, that we're relevant to. So we're, you know, we're relevant to each one of the stakeholders as the project comes all the way up to where contracts are awarded. So it's the subcontractors, the GC, the, different engineers, the architects, the, um, the owners. And increasingly what we've seen as these, as these enterprises, large and small, are being more effective at organizing their data internally, they're saying, they're saying, I want to see the whole picture of the project. It's not just the project. I really want to know the people that are associated with it. I want to know the firms because I, mm -hmm. rather than, I, I'm, I don't want to just chase opportunities. I want to build relationships. And if mm -hmm. I can build the right kind of relationships, that's going to make my growth strategy easier to execute. So show me what the, um, show me who the GC is, who's, uh, who is uh, most active in building, um, in building educational institutions in the Northeast. And tell me who the person at that GC is, who's making that decision and who I should be calling. So increasingly we're, 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 seeing, uh, we're seeing people say, I, I need to see the people that are connected to the firm that are connected to the project. And it's a mm -hmm. different view of uh, construction. Construction 
has been a project and firm centered business for a long time. And it's becoming an identity centered business more. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that we've had to be responsive to, we've had to rethink the way we structure the relationships between all of our data elements and rethink the way we're going to present information. Yeah, that's really interesting. Did the, the last year speed that transition up? The, if, you, if you think back to a year ago, the big question was, where is everyone? Like, how do yeah. I find someone? How do right. I, how do I find my customer? How do I, how do I figure out where they are? Yeah, they can be anywhere. It's where's Waldo. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think that it's, I, we're, we're seeing more implementations of CRMs and this is large and small. And these, these are, this is small, um, small subcontractors using HubSpot because they mm -hmm. want to be able to continue to communicate. And so we saw more technology, we're seeing increasing technology adoption and we saw um, people more insistent about, I need to find people, like where, where is everyone? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that's gonna change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned kind of leveraging some, some different technologies with CRM and everything. How should companies uh -huh, think about technology as a, a strategy enabler? The key term in your question is enable. So as a company, I need to understand what my critical processes are. Mm -hmm. And I've got to figure out what are the constraints on those processes. And very frequently, the constraints on the pro processes are their need for synchronous uh, communication. That they, a process has to be tied to a time and a place. Mm -hmm. And increasingly, if I can create asynchronous processes, if I can figure out how to reduce the need for time and space to be aligned, for critical information to be shared, and for a decision-making matrix to be applied, then I'm going to be able to power my business more rapidly. And so that's, my, that's the first question that I've got to ask myself. And how do I turn that into an easy question? It's like, how do I make it easy for people to communicate with each other off cycle? How do I make it easy for people to see a message, respond and understand? How do I keep them from getting sunk in the mire of uh, an inbox that's got 975,000 unopened messages? Mm -hmm. That's where, and we've seen this in the last year, that's where collaboration software comes into play. And that's also where um, tools like, like um, uh, CRMs or also uh, um, a sales technology and marketing technology comes into play. You get more visibility. Mm -hmm. The second question is what, what, what can I track and why is it important to track it? And what visibility do I want on tracking it? And so there's two elements of visibility on anything you track. There's the sequential tracking. This happened, then this happened, and then this happened. And you look for exceptions and errors in each one of those areas. And in construction, exceptions and errors happen in the handoff. Something moves from one person to another person and something gets lost in the translation. So when you're tracking and you're trying to avoid exceptions and errors, you need to have consistency of that, that document, document integrity as it moves through the cycle. Um, and then there's the question of what can I track and learn from 
if I analyze, if I look at large patterns. And so it's, it's an interesting process. You sit down inside your organization and without, rather than starting about what software can we buy, you start by asking those questions. How can we improve our efficiency by creating asynchronous um, uh, communication? How can we improve our risk management by doing a better job of tracking and ensuring integrity? And how can we learn how to improve our processes by analyzing the pattern of the processes? And mm -hmm. that gets a really interesting internal conversation going because people will, will mention things that you haven't thought before or that, that just haven't come up. Then you go and then you've got to buy application software because if you don't buy software, um, if you try to do this, if you try to do this on your own, you're going to get buried. You're going to end up spending too much money. And the, thank, thankfully, in this world that we live in today, there's cloud-based solutions or uh, external platforms or other things that you can do that are going to help you bridge the gap between what you see you need and how you actually get it done. Yeah. Bonus points for <laughs> weaving in bridging it. <laughs> it's right behind you. I keep seeing it. Very <laughs> yeah, good. It's subtly. Uh, so one of the things uh, I think that kind of undercurrents a lot of what you just said is the the people element of it. And uh, any tips on maybe how to find those champions in the company who are not only embracing and trying the new technology, but then encouraging others throughout the, the process that, you know, the, the water is, is warm, come on in, come try it. Yeah. Um, so, so this is yeah, the constructions construction is also not only in an interesting, uh, technological, uh, a technology adoption phase constructions in a really interesting demographic phase. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, there's a shift. I mean, there, there are people who are my contemporaries and peers and we've been around for a long time and uh, you know I've got a shorthand of how to get stuff done and know what to do and a language and everything else and then there's a lot of really talented people who are um, attracted to this industry both because it's an industry that's got the potential for a lot of change and when you get into um, and, and when you get into the business of of doing the work, it's a physical um, trade. It's a place where you get to not, you get to see things get built. You get to use your hands. It, mm -hmm. It's really, really gratifying. So the first step is there's got to be an acknowledgement that success for the construction industry in this era means generations working together and listening to each other. And it's, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's, that's a two part street. And then the second thing is, is that there's got to be a constant disposition to learning, to acquiring knowledge. And it's the ability of people who don't necessarily have technology knowledge to ask questions about, well, how do you think that can help us? And it's the ability of people who've got a lot of technology to be able to ask questions, well, what is the problem that we really need to solve? And that's not only that's not that's not always um, uh, defined in terms of age. It's in terms of experience and background and everything else. And um, then finally, you've got to be willing to um, believe in somebody's conviction. When you've got a relationship with somebody, when you've got trust in them, when they begin to tell you this is something we really need to do, you know what? Uh, you probably should let them 
try to do something in a way that's not that could change your business but not hurt your business. And I've had I had a couple of interesting experiences in my uh, early on and in in, in, in in the uh, technology adoption curve in 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 companies that I was running where I had people show up. I, I remember one I remember one time where I was giving a company update. I was talking about um, how we were investing in a couple of new servers. And a young guy came up after the, um, he'd been with our company just a little while. And this is in the, this is in the mid 2000s. He goes, you know, if we go to the cloud, we can do away with the servers. And I'm like, okay, you know, t talk to me about it. And he goes, well, you know, so let me show you, this will be way easier if I show you. And, mm -hmm. and I said to him, fine, you know, you here, go, go to IT, get them to give you a couple of applications that are running on servers and tell me how long you need and install it in the cloud and then let's see what happens. And he came back a week later and he'd installed the applications in the cloud. And within nine months, we had eliminated about 80% of our servers. Oh, wow. And you know, it's like, yeah, you gotta just listen and believe in people when they're really passionate. Mm -hmm. When innovation becomes adversarial, that's not a generation gap. That's not a, uh, that's a listening gap. That's mm -hmm. a listening and trust gap. And people on both sides of the innovation matrix have to understand that if they're not listening, there's not gonna be trust. And if there's not trust, there's gonna end up being conflict. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that the the generational divide that people talk about in the the construction industry is is probably made more of a bigger deal than than what it really is because it's to your point it's it's not so much the generational differences. Obviously, there are some, but it, it's more on we just need to do a better job of taking the time and and listen and, and hear the other's perspective, regardless of if it's you know generation or the the trades or uh, an architect to a GC or if, if people just sat down and talked and listened to each other more in this industry, I think we'd we'd solve a lot more problems than we think. There is there is um, you can't diminish a kind of almost cellular difference, an evolutionary difference. The um, you know, I, the when's the last time I picked up a printed book to read? When's the last time I actually looked at a printed magazine or a newspaper or something like that? It's been yeah. years at this point. But I still have a frame of reference of physical artifacts that deliver information. Mm -hmm. I watch my um, my my fifteen year old, my twenty year old, my fifteen year old has no frame of reference. There are not physical artifacts that deliver information. There's his phone, there's his computer. The way he gets information is utterly different than any artifact. He just, the, the 
the points of reference that he has are totally different. That can be a great learning opportunity. It also takes some time to really listen to each other because words don't mean the same thing. If I, somebody, right. somebody who the word find, the phrase find something out means a different thing to somebody who goes to Google first versus somebody who goes to YouTube first or somebody who's gonna go onto a Discord chat room and ask a bunch of questions. So yeah. you've, the, listening, the listening requires really careful listening. And, yeah. um, and, and I, think that's, I think that can be a challenge sometimes because it's, it's daunting. It's, 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 uh, it feels, the difference in experience can feel overwhelming. Yeah, oh, I think that's a very fair point. Uh, and a quick little illustration on that point. <laughs> I was uh, interviewing a, a potential summer intern <laughs> the other day, and uh, we, we asked, you know, how do you like to communicate? Do you prefer you know, you're calling somebody on the phone or email or whatever? And she said, oh, I, I like to do anything that's on my phone. So I'm good with calling or email or text. And I was like, well, in my mind, those are all very different <laughs> means of communication. <laughs> So I, when she first said the answer, I was like, I don't think that's the question that we asked, but that I, as I thought about it in her world, the phone means you can email, you can text. You can, uh, so I, well, think I thought about, it was a funny illustration. Well, think about, um, I've been fascinated by how just in the course of the, the last year, as you, we've, been for, we've, we've been accelerated in the transition of work styles, of information transfer, of everything mm -hmm. else. Um, I find phone calls. I don't really know how to do a phone call anymore. And yeah. it's, it's much easier to do this, to talk and look at somebody. And when somebody calls me, I've got a couple of people who like to call me on the phone. And it's like, well, you want to FaceTime or text me? Like this in-between thing. <laughs> really, yeah, just this voice this is, only. What is this? <laughs> this is an old technology. Why are you doing this? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, what do you think is one of the, the biggest trends to, to watch out for in 2021? It's a little bit, so, so what happened in 2020, it was a little bit like a glacier breaking apart, right? Like life was structured one way and mm -hmm. we had patterns for doing everything we did. And then in 2020, the glacier broke and, every, and, then, and then what happens often in ice flow is parts come back together and they try to recombine and mm -hmm. sometimes they'll refreeze, but it's not a graceful process. It's hard to figure out how to come back into some sort of normal cadence of doing things about, about where to spend time, how to spend time. Some, some people who like being efficient have been able to uh, rub all kinds of inefficient time out of their uh, schedule. Other people want that back. It's, I think, I think it's going to be a really interesting challenge in terms of okay now how do we how do we move through our work and our day and everything else that we do and it's going to affect it's going to affect for construction it's going to affect all the support systems because the people who've been on the site building buildings not that much changed but their support world changed a lot and 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 the way that the support world worked, I think in some cases got more efficient because people were more readily available. It was easier to get things done. Once we figured out where everybody was, you could find them all the time. Right. So I think there's gonna be an interesting issue related to efficiency. 
and it's going to happen in the middle of a surge of activity because we're going to see we're going to see all these funds flow through we're going to see all kinds of of uh building owners trying to figure out how to redeploy space to what the new reality is going to look like so you've just got it's going to it's going to be uh exciting and it's going to be stressful um and then the thing you know the the, the thing i'm I, the the thing that is most uh, the technology, and it's not a technology that we're engaged in. You know, we think about data, and we think about mastering data and putting data uh, in formats so people can use it most efficiently. Um, the visual data that's coming off of work sites, uh, mm -hmm. that that's pretty amazing. Like so, the ability to have cameras tracking activity, to have these really these these. So you've got the you've got the concept of a digital twin. Now I think that's going to lead to a concept of a digital alter, alternate reality of the worksite, and mm -hmm. that's going to create all kinds of interesting innovation. Mm -hmm. um, still early. It takes tons of bandwidth. It takes a it 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 takes a uh, takes a ton of processing power. But that's incredibly cool tech. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um really interested in where digital twins go. I think it's a, there's some cool possibilities there for sure. Yeah, I, I love the, the glacier illustration too. I haven't thought of it that way, but that is spot on. <laughs> uh, well, how do people find out more about Dodge? You know, come to construction.com. Um, you, if you're, if you're in the construction business and you're trying to solve the problem of growth, where do I find growth? Who should I work with? How do I get my product back? How do I find new projects that are in the pipeline? How do I get visibility on what's bidding? Where are the single best source for you? And um, we work with customers of all types and sizes. So if you're a regional sub and you want visibility into the state of Pennsylvania, we'll give you visibility into the state of Pennsylvania. If you're an, a national GC and you wanna know what's going on, in every region of the country, we'll give you um, we'll give you that visibility. So we're here to help you, and we're here to help the industry grow. Awesome. Uh, well, last question for you: What does innovation mean to you? Tireless, endless, persistent questions that translate into actions that you can track and test and figure out whether they're going to work or not work. That's innovation. They could I for. For you know, it's it's it it's a buzzword that makes people think about uh, lots of activities that's outside of their typical processes. But almost everything that works that works really well is organized to solve a simple problem that really matters. And that you figure that out by asking questions and just constantly asking questions. So if you you're an innovation organization, as an organization that's not afraid to ask questions, not afraid to create hypotheses and test them out. Yeah, I love it. Be bold, curious, and then take action. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks so much for joining the show. Really had a lot of fun. This was a great conversation. Thank you, Todd. It was really fun. I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks. Sounds good. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. Interoperability needs to be front and center for construction. Dan said, 
The utility of information should not depend on the environment it lives on. The utility of information should depend on how the user wants to deploy it in multiple environments. That is a great summary of the industry's future. Second take. We all know data is king, but you need to take time to develop a game plan for your data. To help in that, ask yourself these questions. What are the critical processes in your company? What constraints are on those processes? What visibility do you want on tracking? What can be tracked and why is it important? And finally, what do you want to learn from it? Once you answer these questions, you'll be able to form a more robust data plan to reap the benefits. Final take, data consumption is evolving into learning more about the overall picture, including the relationships with people and firms associated with the project. In the end, it comes back to building relationships. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.